folks, this is 2014, a new year, new beginnings, all that sort of stuff. And some of us will have made New Year's resolutions and some of us have made them before and therefore have given up doing that whole thing. And, but it is, it's a new beginning. And what I intend to share with you this morning is really what I sense the Father is saying to us and to us as a church and, uh, and I really have sensed, uh, leading up to Christmas actually, that this is a year that we're to grow up. It's a year that we, uh, as a congregation, as a people, as individuals, that we're to mature. And there's maturity that will come. And, uh, and I would hope, as you join with us, as we pray this week, as we press in to fasting and focusing on Jesus this week, that there's this, this sense within our hearts and with our lives, this determination to really mature, to really um, get past certain things and move forwards to go deeper with our relationship with Jesus and to see God really impact our community and communities. And so that's why I intend to share with you this morning. And um, we're going to dive straight in. I gave you the, the scriptures there. There was actually um, a few more verses the other side. Uh, it's, it's the better known part of the passage about forgetting what's behind us and pressing on. But what I intend to do is just go straight through the scripture, take it piece by piece, and just elaborate on a few things. So uh, if you've got your Bibles, join along, but otherwise all the scriptures are, are there uh, for you to read. So here we go. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. And it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs. Those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh, for it is we who are the, in capital letters, the circumcision. We who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. Paul uh, is writing to the church in Philippi. It's in Greece, and it was visited and spent a lot of time there. Um, where he planted a church, one of many churches that he planted all over the surrounding region. It was a place that was governed by the Roman Empire, and it was known as a gentle, Gentile nation. It was not uh, a Jewish nation, and, le- and yet it was subject to factions of Jews that would go there and would teach the ways of, uh, of Judaism to the people in that nation, and would actually oppose and come against Paul's teaching which was the way of Jesus. And Paul writes to them. Uh, Many years later, to the people of Philippi, and he writes these words to them. And he writes it as a warning. It's a warning against others coming in and teaching against the things that he's been teaching. He's been teaching um, about a new way, that the law has been fulfilled in Jesus, and it's him that we are to pursue. And he refers to these people, that would, the, the factions of Jews that would try and teach them otherwise. It's a warning to them, and he teaches them these things. He refers to them as dogs, when dogs were considered as low-life scavengers in that culture. And uh, they were also considered unclean uh, by Jews, who sometimes use this very term to describe Gentiles. Uh, he refers to them as evildoers and mutilators of the flesh. The, 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 the phrase is really coined simply because of uh, what the Jews would impose upon Gentile if they were to follow their ways was that they would impose circumcision. Circumcision is the thing which was passed down to Abraham that on the eighth day of a boy's birth that they would be circumcised. Their foreskin would be removed. It was something that God had shared uh, as a commandment to Abraham to do 
And the meaning and the reason behind it is this covenant, is this promise, it's the relationship um, between God and his people. It's this covenant relationship. And so Jews, whenever they would go to a Gentile nation, that they would impose this upon them. They'd say, if you're going to follow our ways, you're going to be like, you're going to be adopted into our nation, we're going to do this. And therefore, the phrase, a mutilator of the flesh. It's something that many of us men would not want to have uh, come to our door. It would be something uh, that's a kind of a joke. Are you with us? You don't fancy, you know, getting the snip is one thing. Anyway, that's another thing. So when we're talking about the flesh, he then goes on and says this, put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such thing. The flesh is about self. It's about striving. See, people are still laughing. It was okay to do that. It was slightly over the top, but it was okay to do The flesh is about self. It's about the self-discipline, striving after uh, something. Many of us will have made New Year's resolutions here. I guarantee it. And if they're not resolutions, it's like this desire to do something. And they are brilliant. Absolutely. The the turn of a new year is a new beginning, is a new start. And those of us who've done them in the past, you know that so often we don't fulfill them. You might join a gym and pay lots of money and uh, go every day for the first week and then by the end of January, in fact I heard this recently that lots of gyms, they actually get in lots of extra gym equipment for the month of January and then they get rid of a lot of that extra stuff come February. And look, but they've got lots of people that have signed up and they're, they're made with good intentions but a lot of New Year's resolutions are about self, they're about striving in our own human flesh, our own effort to fulfill something. Now, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong in those things. They're actually good things. Getting fit is a good decision. Losing some weight is a good reason. Whatever it may be that we strive to do. But Paul is writing here. He's saying put no confidence in the flesh. Confidence is about something happening. And the law that was passed down to Moses and the people that took things on, wrote things further elaborating on the law it was in many ways it was about being right with God and there's absolutely nothing wrong with it that's absolutely brilliant but the problem with the law was all about self it was about striving to do something about being right and doing certain things and ticking certain boxes and putting confidence in self in flesh we are doomed but putting confidence in the Lord We have a recipe for success. Paul writes this, that he has many reasons for such confidence in the flesh. He writes this, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, of Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness, based on the law, faultless he outlines seven reasons seven uh, things that would mean that he put his confidence in himself and in the flesh firstly he was circumcised he was a Jewish boy Jewish home Jewish custom secondly he was of the people of Israel Uh, he was a true Jew the third thing he came from the tribe of the 12 tribes he came from the tribe of Benjamin Benjamin that was the tribe which their first king King Saul came from It was the tribe who was known as beloved by the Lord. 
Fourthly, he says he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. It's this swing term summing up the first three, which basically mean he is proper Jewish. He is like proper. He's not like mixed or any of that sort. He is the real deal. He's all the credentials. And fifthly, that he's a Pharisee. He was beyond his contemporaries in terms of his knowledge and his understanding of the law, of the Torah. And um, he went on further in a, in a pursuit of zeal. He persecuted the church. He stood on the side and he threw the stones where he executed Christians, as we know about. It's a, a bit like... Um, it's a bit like whenever he became, whenever Jesus um, reveals himself on his, on his road-like experience and all the rest, it's like he completely changed teams. It's a bit like he went from United to playing for City. It was complete change of reversal. You can imagine one day he's stoning Christians, the next minute he is one of them. And then lastly, he says this faultless observance of the law derived from what he read and what he understood of the Torah. He put great confidence in the flesh and in himself, striving this rightness with God. But whatever were gains to me, Paul writes this, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. All of his religious practices, the studying of the Torah, the observance of the law, the persecuting of of uh, Christians, all that stuff, he says is garbage, is rubbish in comparison with knowing Christ, that he may know Christ. And the end result, what he was striving for before was rightness with God. But that ways, the ways of the flesh, the ways of striving, the ways of self and the things that we do are rubbish compared with knowing Christ. And may we never, ever get caught up in religious practice. If you ever see religious practice in our church, and we might have some, please would you share it? Please would you tell us? Let's stamp on it. We do not want to be a religious people that do things in our own human effort for the sake of doing things. It has to be about him. If nothing else, folks, for 2014, this year must be about him. Him in our church, through us, his people, into our community. It has to be about him. Because if it's about us, we're doomed. It's, it's we're the laborers, but he's the one who builds the church. He's the one who builds the house, right? Oh, I'm on a rant. You see, the rightness with God cannot be attained by ourselves. It's about the blood. It's about the blood of Jesus. It's about the sacrifice that he made. And it's about his spirit living in us and through us, which changes us. I don't know if you ever, in your channel flicking, come across those NAF channels that sell products. The, are they auction channels or whatever? You know the ones I mean, they're selling products, which are normally NAF. So for some reason, I, I, I find this one. And this old guy, who's quite fit looking, is... 
um, selling some metal blade thing, right? It's a, it's a, fit, it's a fitness fad, okay? And it's this it looks like a bow and arrow thing. And you saw this older lady kind of doing this with it. And it was great for the bingo wings, apparently. Okay, so she, you can imagine a piece of metal, and she's kind of doing this. And, uh, and it's going, oh, look at the way, the contractions in the triceps and all the rest. And I'm kind of slightly interested in it. And I can kind of see merit in it too, if I'm really honest. But I thought, goodness, there's another fad and, you know, you're 29.99 or your money back and all that guff, right? And then there's other things. You get vibrating plates that you stand on and it kind of shakes your body a wee bit. Now, I'm a blood, sweat and tears kind of guy. You know, I, I, I want to go do it properly. If you're going to get fit, go and do fitness. Don't go and stand on a... Willy, willy wobble. <laughs> I didn't mean that. Um, <laughs> it's all right. A jelly wobble. That's kind of what I meant, I think. <laughs> it's all right, dear. <laughs> if you're listening to this online, this is Brian Murr speaking. <laughs> so we're on this... I don't even know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this. There are some fitness fads out there that just don't, I don't think they cut it. And it, you, we're promised a quick fix, you know, eat these pills and you'll lose so much weight. You know, it's like, no, don't eat those pills. Don't eat so much food. You know, there are, there are simple ways that promise these things but don't deliver. Now, let's look at this. The simple way is Jesus, and he does promise, and he does deliver. The too-good-to-be-true promise is good to be true. It is. It does deliver. And yet, don't we strive to do this, and we strive not to do that? And the point is this, folks. It's not about us. It's about him in us, through us that changes us. It's him. He's everything that we need. Those of us who come this morning, we're going, but you don't know my life. You don't know what's going on. It's about him and trusting him and hoping in him no matter what our eyes see and our circumstances have in us. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining the resurrection of the dead. Knowing Christ, truly knowing him, knowing his personality, knowing his ways, knowing his voice when he speaks, obeying his practices, and knowing his powers, doing and being like Jesus. And that includes enduring scorn, criticism, pain and rejection, they're the things that we don't like. They're the things actually in our culture we don't really experience so much as in other cultures. And maybe a little bit of hardship would actually move us into action even greater. But do we really want it enough? Do we really want to know Christ enough that we take up our cross and we follow him? Because if I'm honest, that scares me. I don't want that. The flesh in me doesn't want that. I don't want to have to suffer because of Christ. The human part of me doesn't want that. There are things that I don't want to do in the flesh. But when we know Christ, 
we end up doing things we wouldn't normally do because we do it out of love for Jesus, because we do it out of obedience for him. Offering to pray for someone, even though you might feel a bit awkward about that. Giving up your time to helping other people and serving. Giving your money away. Befriending people. Moving from a different place to another place. Whatever it might be. Things that don't come naturally. Things that will be costly. Things that you would rather not do, but you do out of obedience to him because he's called you to it. If you want to see the kingdom, you need to obey the king. And if we want to see things change in our lives and in our community, he's calling you to obey him and to go do the things of Jesus. And I guarantee as you do that, he will come through and he will amaze you and he will change you, and you will come alive. Not that I have already attained all of this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul hasn't got there yet. He's heading that way. But what he says is to forget the past and press on toward the goal. You might have heard me tell this story before. When I was at school, I loved all kinds of sports and I loved athletics. I loved to run and um, I loved to do the relay race, um, the 4 by 100 meter relay race. And the thing was, we had a brilliant, brilliant running team. Our best runner promise you this, he ran 100 meters at the age of 15 in 10.9 seconds, which is blisteringly quick. And uh, I never once saw him beaten by anyone. There were four of us, obviously, in the team, and the other three were, the fast, were faster than me. I was the slowest of the four. And they always put me fourth, which is a little bit unusual, because usually you put your fastest runner on the last leg. It's called the anchor leg that runs that straight and home. But what always happened was they always, because they were so good, the other three, they built up such a massive lead that all I'd do is take the glory, take the baton, run home, and we'd win every single race. We never lost the race until this one day when, um, when it was close. And I could see it's close because on the third bend, and you're kind of waiting there, you're in your lane, you're looking over your shoulder, and you see the incoming runners. I knew this time it's going to be close. And I knew... I was up against someone, because I'd seen him run the 100 meters earlier. I knew that the guy I was going to be running against was good, because he really, really was quick. And the gap, or the lead that we had, wasn't as long as it normally is. And anyway, I get the baton, and I do the usual thing, and run as hard as I can for the line. And I knew that this guy was chasing me, was catching me, was gaining on me. And I knew, because I heard him, I heard his breathing, his breathing got louder because he was getting closer. And we're coming to the line, and we're coming to the line's coming, and I'm thinking, still in the lead, still, just got to keep going, got to keep going, I've got to keep going. And I committed the cardinal sin, the worst thing you can ever do, ever, 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 when you're running, and you're taught by decent PE teachers, never, ever, ever do. What did I do? I looked behind. I looked behind. I was like, why did I do that? I was so stupid. Now, 
We're still just about one, by the way. I know you wanted to know. You, you kind of wanted to know that we came second, but we didn't. But, but I looked. I was like, oh. My PE teacher, Mr. Brown, says to me afterwards, why did you do that, Paul? Why did you do that? You've done that so many times before. You know. You know not to do that. And I did that. And I was just like, why did I do that? Now, the reason you're taught never to run, look to the side, look behind, is ultimately it slows you down. Slows you from momentum and moving forwards. The other thing it can also do is it can mean, as you're looking elsewhere, as you can run out of your lane, then you're disqualified. So you're taught those things. We've got to forget the past. Instead of looking behind us, we've got to forget what's behind, and we've got to press on, we've got to move forwards. We are watching Forrest Gump last night. It's that bit towards the end when uh, Jenny has uh, left him and she's gone and he's absolutely gutted and, and he doesn't know what to do himself so he starts running and he runs for three years and two months and then someday he just stops and he goes, that's it, I've had enough, I've, I've done that and he, and he quotes one of his mother's pearls of wisdom which is this, that my mama always used to say, You've got to put the past behind you before you can move on. And that's what his run was about. For Paul, the past was his past life as a Pharisee, as a Jew. And he says, forget the past. And yet he's just quoted his past. Do you see that? So he's telling people to forget the past. And yet he's outlined seven different things of his past. Now, here's the thing. He can remember what it was, but he isn't bound by the past. And so things that were done to you in your past, things that you did in your past, you will remember. But forgetting the past is relinquishing its power and its effect and its control in your life for your future. And there's many of us here that this year, may this be the year, there is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. That you'd have the courage, that you before the Lord would trust in him, that you would position your life in such a way that you'd allow the healer to come and heal. Time is not a healer. Running three years and two months, is not a healer. He's the healer. And have the courage, together with us, your people, in life groups. We're going to talk about life groups next week. Share your lives with each other and allow the Holy Spirit, Jesus, the healer, to come and heal. For some of us, you need to release forgiveness to other people. Things that were done to you in relationship, in family, a colleague, a neighbor, you need to release forgiveness because if you don't, it will hold you and bind you and dictate your future. And it's not the future that you are looking for. Many other things that cause you to put a bit of a break on your life and cause you from not moving forwards. We're coming into land. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Chance is into this thing this time of year. 
of a, a word that kind of is a word for the year, one word that describes what uh, sense God might be saying and sharing. And, uh, and if you want to know more about that, please speak to her afterwards. And as I've been pondering that, as I said right at the beginning, I really sensed that the word for us was grow up. And uh, I actually think it should be mature because mature just sounds, well, more mature, doesn't it? That we're to mature. And that's the word for us. And um, for those of us who have already attained something, or already, we should live up to what we've already attained. Folks, let's not slip back. Let's, each of us, wherever we think we are, let us mature, let us grow. And before we mention just a few ways that we think God might want us to grow in, remember that it's not through human effort. Yes, it requires discipline. Yes, it requires us to do certain things, but it's knowing Christ that changes us. And so maturing might mean that you learn to develop in your prayer life. It could be hearing God. It could be reading the scriptures, committing to reading the scriptures. It could be fasting. It could be in the area of generosity. It could be maturing in managing your finances better. It could be a maturing within your relationship, with your marriage, with your family. Maturing could be how you deal with conflict and how you deal with criticism and how you deal with all kinds of difficult relationships. It could be the way that you, your ability to trust people or care for people. It might be kicking a habit. It might be one of many things that, that God is wanting to take you on a journey on and mature you. When I was a child, this is a different passage now. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. The church is not the building, it's the people, and it's made up of us. And this year, he's calling us in many ways to mature and to grow. And our prayer is too that God would add to our number. Daily would be good. That we would continue to see growth. It's, it was wonderful. Um, the last, um, the last term, we we grew quite significantly. Uh, people coming and enjoying what God is doing with us and staying with us, and that's fantastic. But we want to grow um, spiritually as well well as numerically. Um, join us this week, would you? As we fast and we focus. If you can make one evening of the four, great. If you make all four, that's fantastic, whatever it is. But give up something, whether it's food or Facebook or whatever, whatever has been said. Just spend that bit of time just focusing, getting your heart right and saying, God, I'm positioning myself in such a way. When we come to pray, by the way, there's no worship. We're not even going to make coffee. There's no frills. You are coming to bring an offering to bring a sacrifice. You're bringing yourself and you're just saying, I'm here, Lord. And there's, there's not going to be much leading. If we sit in silence for an hour, that's what we're going to do. If you want to strike up and you want to pray, great. If you want to start a song and people will join in with you, well, that's what we're going to do. It's humbly coming before God and we're going to do that for three nights and then we're going to eat food together on the other day. That's us. We've got loads of time. 
Loads of time. Where's Andy Bell? Be great just to spend a bit more time. We do have a bit of time, which is super. Just to, uh, just to worship. And then we want to give space for you to respond to what God's saying. We're going to give opportunity for you to receive prayer or for the Holy Spirit to do whatever he wants to do in you. But um, let's stand together.